this edition, we're going to talk with Mr. Stephen Burton from AFME about CSDR. Stephen, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. So to begin with, Stephen, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at AFME and why CSDR is important to you? Yes, of course. I've worked in the banking industry for about 35 years now, um, mostly operations focused um, with some of the bigger banks that people will recognise. But for the last 10 years, I've been working at AFME. AFME is an association which um, tries to lobby on behalf of the big banks uh, where there is a need for um, uh, education uh, of officials, regulators, um, because they're not experts in the field, we feel that we have some expertise and we obviously lean on our members to help us with that. AFME tries to harmonise, standardise and make uh, as efficient as possible regulation throughout Europe. We are a pan-European organisation, um, but we recognise that some of the regulations in Europe now are uh, extra-territorial. Uh, they will affect third countries, not just Europe. Amongst the regulations which have been talked about in the post-trade industry today, CSDR features very prominently. Could you begin by telling us a little bit about what CSDR is all about? So CSDR is one of, one of three regulations, I say, that, that aim to regulate the market infrastructures. We had EMEA, which regulates CCPs. We have MIFID, which regulates the trading venues. And then CSDR, which is designed to regulate the CSDs. The CSDs themselves are the entities that settle the transactions uh, throughout Europe and include the likes of Euroclearbank and Clearstream International in that. Um, but also included in, in the CSDR were aspects which relate to the settlement efficiency of transactions. And in particularly, we're talking about um, transactions which settle late. And the Commission, I think, was keen to in, uh, increase the uh, settlement efficiency rates across the European CSDs. So it sounds like it's not just CSDs that are impacted. It's not at all. It's uh, all participants who transact in EU securities which settle via an EU CSD. Sounds like a bit of a mouthful, but to try and put that into context, if you are a Singaporean entity, a non-EU entity, you're transacting in a French security and you're settling it across the French CSD or you're uh, using a third party to do that, then you would be caught by the settlement discipline regime, which not only includes late matching fines, but also includes uh, a mandatory buy-in regime. So within CSDR, there's a lot of stuff, but most people that I speak to are now very much focused on the settlement discipline regime. My understanding is that CSDR requires banks participating in settlement to behave somewhat differently. Is that correct? I would say yes, uh, it is. There may be some banks that have already um, got the measures in place, but the, the ones I immediately think of are the, the way in which you should uh, allocate and confirm with your clients. That's probably the most important one. Agree the transaction as soon as possible, um, and ESMA have laid down some guidelines around that. 
uh, timing-wise, and then you'll be in a good position to hopefully settle the trade on time and not um, incur any of the other penalties or uh, buy-ins that we'll talk about later. So could you begin by telling me a little bit about settlement fines? Who gets charged them? Who gets the money? How are they calculated? It's an interesting subject. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, settlement fines are going to be levied upon the party that fails to deliver the securities. There's also late matching penalties for parties that instruct on a late basis. In terms of how they are calculated, there is a calibration that ESMA has made per product type. So equities are fined more than a sovereign debt, and there are various um, increments in between. And this is all being done by the CSD, I guess? The CSDs have been given the responsibility to collect and pass on the settlement fines. The Commission decided that it should be a zero-sum game as far as the CSDs were concerned. They should not be able to uh, keep any proportion of any of the fines. They should go directly to the aggrieved party. Uh, one thing we are starting to see is CSDs thinking about charging for the process of all of these fines that they expect to, um, to see. When is this going to happen? So the due date for implementation is September this year, 2020. However, the settlement penalties part has largely been built by the T2S, the European Settlement Platform. And there, this is very technical, but their SWIFT release, um, the normal SWIFT release, doesn't go live until the, towards the end of November. So we are anticipating a delay so that we don't have to do everything by Excel spreadsheets you know for the first six weeks or so and then switch over to a fully automated method which uh, the T2S will provide to its CSDs. As well as settlement fines I understand that CSDR brings in buy-ins. Could you tell me a little bit about the buy-in procedure? So the buy-ins are a mandatory piece of the legislation it's something that everyone needs to consider who's involved with trading in European securities. And the reason is as follows. There are four separate dates um, after which you might be bought in. There are four days after your intended settlement date for what we call liquid securities, seven days after intended settlement date for less liquid securities, and then finally 15 days after intended settlement date for the SME growth markets, the small, medium-sized growth companies that are listed on exchanges. And it's based on the exchange that they're listed on. And who performs the buy-in? So the regulation states that the receiving trading party has to initiate the buy-in by appointing a buy-in agent, which is something that's going to be quite new to, I think, most European entities. And when we think about, overall, who's going to be the uh, initiator, we at AFME believe that an awful lot of it is going to be, have to be done by 
the fund managers, the buy side effectively, because they are the ones that hold the long only positions. Uh, so there is the possibility to defer the buy-in and that's up to the receiving trading party. They can defer it for a further four or seven days depending on the asset class. So who is going to act as a buy-in agent? It's a very good question, Alan, and I'm not sure we know the answer at this stage. Uh, we do know that some uh, infrastructures are looking at setting up a, what shall I call it, a I'll call it a platform for want of a better word, <coughs> which will allow um, parties to input their requests for a buy-in and then perhaps they'll have a pool of buy-in agents behind that. But equally, I mean, if you and I had transacted and we wanted to, you wanted to buy me in, you could go to your, your, you know, your colleague at another bank and ask them if they would buy the securities okay. in. And that happens quite, that can happen regularly now, um, but it's on a voluntary basis. What impact will these buy-ins have on the market? So we believe that they could have a fundamental impact on the liquidity of a particular security and the pricing of that security if certain parties, let's say there's a chain of parties, one delivers to another, delivers to another and so on, if they are not aware that each is going to buy in or start the buy-in process, they may all start to buy in at the same time. So we may have multiple parties buying in the same types of securities, the same type of security, and increasing the, the price and reducing the overall liquidity in that security. So by affecting liquidity of the security, you're effectively um, having an unintended consequence, which is the traders will see an impact to their trading book. The securities that they sold originally will be bought in and their position will now be effectively long of those securities again and they will have to resell them in the market. We believe it's an unintended consequence but traders need to be aware that this is going to impact their books. Middle office people need to be aware that they will need to support the process and settlement people, operations teams will need to build the necessarily necessary technology to make sure that everybody is kept well informed. It sounds like there's a lot happening with CSDR. How well prepared do you think the market is for this? Could you give us a mark out of 10? The market is in becoming increasingly aware, I'd say, but I don't think we're anywhere near the, s the scale at which we would like to be at this stage with possibly less than a year to go. They've adapt, they're adapting to this at the moment. I get the impression that smaller institutions have, n have only just woken up to the fact that this is going to, as I said earlier, impact the trading book. And it's not just a settlement, it's not just a post-trade piece of legislation. So I think if you gave marks out of 10 in terms of the, the bigger, bigger institutions, I'd say they're probably seven or eight out of 10. I think the large, smaller institutions <clears throat> I would probably say four or five. Stephen, thank you for joining us and telling us all about CSDR and settlement discipline.
And thank you for listening to this Thinking Aloud podcast brought to you by BNP Paribas Security Services.